Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 59. My guest today is very excited about life, and I'm excited that he's here. He got recommended by Robin and Brandy Cunningham. Hello, Robin and Brandy. We love you guys. You're coming back. Everybody that's coming back on the show, don't worry. Some of you guys have been requesting, so stay tuned. Uh, but Robin and Brandy brought this guy to my attention, um, and he's a he's a gifted gifted author, speaker, and a revivalist, and he's got a powerful testimony of an encounter in heaven. That's right, an encounter in heaven that changed everything for him. Let's welcome my guest today, Jojo Morris. Greetings, Jojo. My dude, here. welcome. It is, it is a pleasure to be with you guys. How you doing, dude? Good, man. I, you just exude joy, and I love that. It makes it, it's like. I'm sure everybody that comes in contact with you feels that joy as well. So uh, you just have a lot of excitement for life, and it's obvious you have the joy of the Lord. So let's just let's do this. So why don't you tell some tell the people who you are and what you're about, and uh, and then we can just jump into your testimony. Absolutely. So I grew up farming. I was born in 1995. I was raised in a uh, regular American uh, family, but at the age of five, my family joined a Mennonite group in Oklahoma. And so that really started a change of events in my life that was completely um, new for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a young, young man, I, you know, you just sort of accept things as a child. And so everything went from being one way, you know, regular visiting relatives to all of a sudden just being pretty much cut off from the world. So that's it in a nutshell, but God has us on an amazing journey and it's just so awesome to be here today. Mm, Yeah. So, okay. So we were talking before the show and I asked you about Mennonites and you made sure to clarify, because I think that's something that's important for us, that this is yes. not standard garden variety Mennonites. You have nothing against Mennonites, but there was something unique about this one. And it sounds like it was a very closed off society, right? Yes. Very loving. Very, They take care of each other so well. It was a very closed unit. Not mm-hmm. many outsiders are welcomed in. And so us to be even to discover this group was a random chance, one in a million that we would be able to even join this group as a outsider English family into this German uh, people group. And they're really strong culture. Like I said, I love them, but um, I'm not here to throw them underneath the bus. I'm here to tell a story of redemption on how mm. can, how God can redeem even me mm. from one of the most worst experiences um, a young man like me could go through. Yeah. So you started going, you know, living on this, it was a farm, right? So it's more like a community communal farm sort of a thing, but like closed off. Yeah, so how they set it up, there's a couple different levels. So there's um, more of the just like Mennonite name only. They were born into it. They were given the family name because of uh, the blood bloodline, and they look like mm-hmm. you and me. You couldn't tell if they're Mennonites. But then there's another version where they have like um, more standards. They follow the book of rules. They have the, these set of laws that they follow, and uh, they report to a deacon or an elder every single week, and they do more community. And then there's the hardcore ones. They, they meet in homes, and they – they only go to town, you know, once a month and they have accountability partners that go with them and the, they tighten the, the rules up really tight um, so that lest you fall into sin. And so there's just um, the group I was in really had an incredible work ethic, but there was a huge amount of fear that we mm. I lived in. My siblings lived in every mm. single day. And so mm. it's just it was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like growing up? I mean, it was was it something that you noticed right away? Because obviously you were five when you went in there. So you may have a couple of very early memories. I don't know if you do. Yes. The the before time. Yeah. And so to really dive into this, um, 
when I when we joined when I was five years old, my family is there's eight of us siblings. There's four boys total and four girls total. So mm-hmm. I'm the fourth one down. So I'm right in the middle. Um, the biggest difference that I noticed is that my mom started sewing her own clothes. We started baking a lot of our own bread. We started growing our own vegetables. And from that early time on in early the early 2000s, as we were children, we loved playing in the garden. We loved raising our goats. We loved raising our chickens and all that good stuff. But the night terrors that started, I started getting demonic attacks. And wow. I truly believe it was because of the religious spirit. Mm. From even the age of five, I would wake up in the middle of the night paralyzed, unable to move because of the night paralysis. And that started um, a fear cycle where I was scared of the dark. I was scared to go to bed. And then at that young of an age, I was a chronic bedwetter. So for years, I for over 20 years of my life, I wet my bed up till I was 20 years old. But to really dive into the nitty gritty, yeah. my family is very close. So we love each other intensely. We love well. We, uh, we fight well. And so <laughs> having said that, unfortunately, there was a lot of spanking that went on, that borderline whipping abuse that happened to my older sister and me and my some of my younger siblings at the time. This is back early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it created in me a fear of God that was very unhealthy. And so wow. I was just scared of God. I was scared mm-hmm. of uh, the creator that made this earth. And I wasn't scared of Jesus because Jesus you know, died and paid for our sins. He came to save us. I wasn't scared of the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit was there to guide us, you know, as long as the elders approved of what it said. And mm-hmm. so that type of mentality, even five, six, seven, eight, nine, that mentality was just sort of like programmed into me. I didn't really know that's the way I was being programmed, but that was the mindset was installed into me. When I turned 12, I started waking up to a lot of the things that were going on and I knew some things weren't right. Um, There was some abuse happening in the church at the time and there was a big split. Unfortunately, there was a lot of like religious arguing that would happen during the sermon. And then one time a, um, I have to share this story because this just breaks my heart and this is going to relate to someone out there. There was a a mom that had a daughter. Her daughter was like 15, 16 at the time who had terminal cancer. She had like literally a few weeks to live. She was skin and bones. She came pleading to the congregation, please pray for my daughter. I believe in healing. I believe God can do a miracle and I will keep their names confidential. But like this mother stood up in front of the whole congregation and asked for it. So the elders brought this young lady up to the front, anointed her with oil. As the scripture says, they prayed over her and a week passes. We don't hear anything. Two weeks passes and this mom comes back to the service and she's just like overjoyed. Like she's radiating. She's like... She stands up like during testimony time. She says, I just want to thank the Lord that my daughter's been healed of cancer and I have these scans to prove it. And a gentleman stood up and told her to shut up because women were not allowed to speak in services. They said, Mm -hmm. we will not hear this. And I was shocked because half the congregation wanted to hear her. But then there was such a deep religious spirit that Mm -hmm. even when a miracle happened, This woman was not even allowed to open her mouth to praise the Lord. And so I started seeing how my sisters were crushed. I saw my mother who was a very happy, um, she was such a great dancer when she was younger. She loved to, she's so full of life, how she was pushed down and how, how that affected her personality, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just, it breaks my heart to speak about that. And I started struggling with anger issues, 13, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And at 14, I gave my life to Jesus. Okay. And I knew I needed something different because I was in such a hate-filled relationship with my younger brother at that time. And as young people, we know we we have a temper sometimes, and <laughs> life can just get <laughs> young that way. And passionate and yeah. all that. Yeah. 
And um, I'm 26 now, but like I, things, these memories are fresh in my mind. But as a young person, I was asking the question, why? Why do I feel this way? And so when I gave my life to Jesus, I felt a joy that was just overflowing like a fresh spring at like 1,200 PSI. It was just blowing everyone out of the water, and yeah. it was awesome. But then I started getting calls because I called everyone in the church to tell them that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And people were like, you need to calm down. This is just a short little season. You're going to get over this. You're going to get cold. You're going to, you know, you're, you're prideful right now. So let's be careful lest you fall. Oh, and I was man. like, why are people raining on this sunny day? Like why? Yeah. I had this huge rainbow over me, just, just this pink unicorn personality. And people were just pushing this down. But there was one lady. She's, um, she's 15 years older than me. And she's always had a really big impact in my life. And she um, told me, she said, Jojo. She wrote it in a letter. She said, Jojo, God has a unique calling over your life. Mm -hmm. Don't let the naysayers discourage you. And so I took that letter and treasured it for many years. Mm -hmm. And that message carried me through these next years. That I'm going to talk to you here wow. right now. And yes. so now, so, yeah, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I just wanted to ask before, well, actually, let's put a pin in it because I want to ask about your parents, like what drew them into this. But let's yeah. finish your story first and then we can kind of rewind. Because so, I don't want right. to lose momentum. Oh, no, we're totally good. So to just let everyone know, if you're listening to this, there is a reason you're listening to this right now. So stop yeah. what you're doing. This is amazing. If you're driving, yeah. please don't. Just stop in the middle <laughs> of the freeway. But remember that God has you here for a purpose. So I'm 14. I give my life to Jesus, and it's just discouraging, discouraging. 15, I start to get very religious and very cold. I'm reading the Bible for mileage. I'm seeking God, but I'm looking to... Um, get to know him as a analytical. I'm like analyzing everything and I want to get the attributes of the kingdom and I want the power of the kingdom, but I'm doing it out of my own strength. 16, I'm turned 16, then I turn 17 and I'm getting more and more zealous. I'm now hitting people on the head with the Bible um, spiritually. I never actually did that, but I was judging people. You know, if their sleeves were too short, I'd be like, you're sinning, that's immodest. You will go to hell if you don't change that. And I said that to people and I would even hold up signs as a, as a radical Christian. I would say, you know, everyone's going to go to hell and gnash their teeth because of this and this and this. And it was hate, not the repentance and love of God. I wasn't using the love of God to bring people to repentance. I was using the fear of damnation to bring people mm -hmm. to repentance. And I didn't see any good results. I got a few amens from the elders that I was, I was under, but that overzealousness carried on very, very heavily. And I have a very passionate personality. So I just channeled that as Saul in the Bible before he was, before he changed into Paul, mm -hmm. I was just like Saul turn 18 and my family decides to leave the Mennonites. And I don't mm -hmm. talk about this. I don't talk about this a lot, but I, I really feel like I need to share this. Yeah. I love my parents. They're truth seekers. We move in with this group called the Hutterites. And if you think the Mennonites are strict and if they are an interesting people, it's like going from glory to glory in the in the religious world because the, the Hutterites have everything in common. They've been doing this for 400 plus years. They have a strict schedule they follow. No one makes their own money. So now we're living in a colony as a family. Wow. And mind you, we're cut off from our relatives. Our, our relatives are not allowed to visit unless they're, um, we're not allowed to be in the same room with them unless there's adult with us because the bad influence, because none of my relatives are Mennonites. They're all just mainstream, you know, Americans. And so when it comes to like us visiting with our relatives at this time, that was cut off. So I didn't even know my grandparents very well at all. And mm -hmm. so now we're in this Hutterite colony and I love it. 
I love these people. They're hardworking. They love to have fun. We had, um, you know, volleyball every single week as a young people group. We really got close. We had so many campfires and we would do worship nights and it was like acapella with a little guitar, you know, and so it was such a rich time in my life. But during that time, I started writing music. I started writing dozens of songs, just penning them, 15 minutes, like their whole song would be done. And the Holy Spirit started flowing through me and many of the other young people, but that got me in trouble. And it was sort of like this like bipolar relationship because I would write a song. I was teaching the choir at the time as a youth pastor and the choir would love the song. All the young people would accept the music. We would sing it. We would sing it at a wedding. Two weeks would pass and then I would get called into a meeting and they would slap my wrist and tell me to stop because it was of the devil. And it was very confusing Hmm. to write music that I knew God wanted me to write because it was a desire in my heart to do it, to write these hymns and then be told it was too contemporary. It was of, of the, the devil's music, which was the radio. Caleb at the time was just, we were banned from listening to the radio really? because it, it was, was like, it wow. was demon worship. And we went wow. through strict classes talking and breaking down the sound vibrations of, of just the drums and how the drum vibrations, you know, call demons from the underworld. And we indoctrinated ourselves to the point where we could not recognize that God originally created percussion. Right? And so now I'm fully convinced that like, I possibly have a demon and I'm 19 years old at this time. And I'm like struggling with my identity because I truly believe that I've been, I've been so righteous. I've been so spotless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've had issues with my parents. Yeah. I've had just like any young person, sure. but then to add to everything, I'm getting now getting blamed for my, my parents, the, the arguments that were happening at a marital level for them. And it was very confusing to me because I'm writing this music and then I'm taking the responsibility of the family's peace. And if anybody is in that type of situation, I understand when there's Mm -hmm. constant fighting and just a simple little ringtone would set off the worst argument in the world. And I started recording it because I was like, God, what is happening to my family? Mm -hmm. I wrote lots of songs during that time. And I sort of was told that if I didn't get rid of the guitar, I would have to leave. I literally, it's it's either my guitar and the music, or I could stay at home. And that sparked a very dark depression. Sure. It's in the middle of the winter now. We built our own hockey rink because we're not allowed to play professional sports at all. Professional sports were banned because that was of the world. Um, And they have their reasons. And I respect those. I respect it's freedom. It's freedom of, you know, lifestyle here in the U.S. Sure. We built this hockey rink. I'm out there playing. And Jeff, while I'm out there, we're hustling around, do, doing what dudes do. I'm waiting for my helmet to come. We're just practicing. And I got, there was a hockey puck that was slap shotted. And slap shots are going fast, probably 60, 70 miles an hour on the ice. And it happened to go right in my face. And so I'm standing there on the ice, feeling like God himself just judged me. Because at that point, I thought my paradigm, the glasses in which I viewed the world was that if anything bad happened to you, if you got sick, if you got an accident, it was God trying to tell you that you were doing something bad. Wow. And so my whole mentality, my whole, so much fear and what that does like, Oh my paralyzing. Yeah. Paralyzing. And so I'm standing on the ice with just, just my bodily fluids going everywhere with teeth in the back of my throat thinking that almighty God sort of just flicked to me to try to wake me up. But I'm like, yeah. God, I've, I've been righteous. What is wrong with you? What do you have against me? Because at that time I thought that God spoke through my parents and the elders. I didn't clearly understood that God can speak to you directly at this time. Mm. This is so rich, by the way, this is awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is really good. And and as I'm going to these doctor visits, I had an accountability partner. And I was not allowed to go to town alone. So I had to go with someone. But I love the Mennonites and I do business with the Mennonites and the Jews and the Hutterites. They're very shrewd businessmen. So if they see something where they can make profit, they'll make that change. So they started sending me alone to town because it was more profitable to keep that man back to work in the shops. And I completely understood, but they made that mistake. I started exploring. I started visiting other churches during that eight hours I had in town. And I was curious because I started asking questions. I started going into that mind conf, that inner fight of that, that dark night of the soul that so many of us go through mm-hmm. where we just question everything. Like, why do I exist? Like all these simple things that just seem like they're very easily to explain. Like, why do babies die? Like I was asking these questions and I needed answers. And so I would listen to the radio and I'd hear Lauren Daigle, I'd hear NF, I would hear Jamie Grace playing and I would listen to the joy in their voice. And I'm like, I want that. I want that mm. so bad. And yeah. during that time, my mindset started opening. But as much as I saw what was in front of me that I wanted, the freedom to worship God without getting punished for it, I couldn't have it because of the society I was living in. Yeah. And so the straw that broke the camel's back for me was one night I had just finished a long day of work. And that's something I love about these people group. They are a diligent people group. Mm. We did about a 12 hour day. I come home and it's cold, windows whipping, um, very cold. I went in the house, there was a raging argument, unfortunately. And it was about the music I was writing. And my parents were trying to take my guitar away. And they were asking me why I had brought this like curse upon the family of, they didn't say curse, but they said like this is basically like a demonic spirit. They were telling me that I had brought in the family. I'm like, how can this be demonic if I'm worshiping Jesus and calling people to repentance? Like the devil can't cast out himself in the Bible. It says like Beelzebub cannot cast out Beelzebub, right? The house divided itself cannot stand. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment of desperation, I snapped, ran to my bedroom and threw my head in the pillow. And I gave God the ultimatum. I said, I'm done living. If you do not show me why I'm here on earth, then I want to exit this earth. Very mm-hmm. shameful. But I was suicidal at that point. I was mm-hmm. so depressed. I was so hollow inside. I had no clue why I existed on earth. Mm-hmm. A week later, after doing my rigid schedule and just falling in the groove of things, I go to lay down for my three o'clock nap. And I love the schedule that I had. Set my alarm for 29 minutes and lay on the bed. But the moment I laid on my belly, I heard my neck snap and I was paralyzed. I could not move. And it freaked me out. I'm thinking to myself like, okay, something just happened. Maybe this is a dream. But yet I was very conscious. Moments later, I saw the back of my head. And now I'm in spirit form, standing, looking at my fleshly body, not breathing. With like this blank expression on my face, I had closed eyes, and I knew something went wrong in my body. So I tried to frantically get back into my body, reconnect the spirit and flesh again. It did not work. And I found out that my hand went through my dresser, and I, I, could, I could touch, I could put my hand through things. And I started hyperventilating because I mm-hmm. knew I, something wrong happened. I yeah. died. Yeah. And I'm panicking because I didn't, I didn't like the timing. I said, no, 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 no. This is not supposed to happen. I'm 20 years old. Like I have a life ahead of me. Like mm-hmm. I have things I need to do tonight. I yeah. have choir practice the next day. And like, I started panicking. So I just run right through my wall and it's like this light wind. And I start yelling at this lady. I said, help, help, help. I'm, my body's in the bedroom and I need help. I'm not breathing. Something's going on. And she just had this glazed look on her eyes and she just walked right past me. Wow. Cause the wash <laughs> house was in the middle. And I'm thinking to myself like, wait, she can't hear me. 
And all of a sudden, my hearing was opening up, and it was like a cheese grater on my nerves, the amount of information that started coming at me. And mind you, it's as crystal clear as this right now. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. It's just that you could slip through things like your hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. There was no holding back. And I was, I fully understood I was a spirit, but I could hear things from miles away. I heard a car starting in a nearby town. I heard children laughing. I heard someone talking about dinner and it was specifically about spaghetti. And I remember thinking like, why am I hearing all these combos? And I'm like holding my head in my hands. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm having on the verge of mental breakdown. And all of a sudden this angel shows up next to me and says, it's time for judgment. And I'm thinking I'm in the land of the dead. And so I surrender. I said, okay. I will go. And he's glowing bright. This warrior angel, about nine foot tall, standing to the right of me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can't do anything. I'm locked out of this realm. I'm locked out of the earthly realm that I'm so accustomed to. And mind you, while I was screaming for help, someone walked through me. They phased through me. So I clearly understood that I was a spirit. Moments later, we're flying through the air. And I, as the earth sort of does this Google Earth view, mm-hmm. I start seeing thousands of demons running across the face of the earth and they were stampeding over the face of the earth and there was these light beams that were shooting up and i understood that there was a fight between good and evil just from that like just just leaving the earth wow and it was like this war zone style i could see i could i knew babies were dying i knew moms had just gotten kicked out on the street i knew dads was dads were struggling with mental on the mental breakdown anxiety i felt the pain of this earth as i was leaving with this angel and i saw i didn't i did not want anything to do with it and as i passed through these levels there's three distinct levels and there's these demons walking on them and they're pouring down onto this earth and they were in grayish matter. I explain it more in my book, but it's like they started calling out my name. They said, Jojo, and they sound like they've been smoking for a thousand years. Wow. Strained voices. They said, Jojo, don't go with him. They would never t- t- they would never acknowledge my angel, but they would point at me and say, don't go with him. And they would try to reach out to grab me. And I, I, I was repulsed, and I actually actively chose not to go with them. I knew I could join that evil horde or go with this angel to the unknown, to judgment whatever that was. Yeah. I'm terrified. I'm like, I, I cannot process the information that's happening. There was this fight against good and evil. I knew the good that was on this earth was from God. I clearly understood that. And now these demons are trying to get me. They're trying to get me to go with them. And I said, no. And moments later we, we go away and it's sort of the sound dies off as it gets further and further away. And the earth just goes into this small little globe and then just becomes like this little pin. The moment the earth sort of disappeared from view, my body collides into a wall of water. And why I hit a wall of water, I cannot explain. But now I'm suspended in this wall of water. And the angel's now in front of me. And he has these massive guns. He's this warrior angel. Just like in Psalms, it says, God wraps his mighty arms around us. This guy had mighty arms. Looked like he even in a thousand battles. Yeah. Because I could see like there was like little, some maybe a little bit of scarring, but it was like glowing. Mm. Like he had been through a lot. Yeah, but he was a beefcake angel. He's told beefcake. Oh, hundred percent shredded, like way bigger than Dwayne, the rock Johnson, like so huge. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, like I'm holding my breath in this wall of water. I'm thinking to myself, like, why am I in this wall of water? And he said, you cannot go where we're going with what you have inside of you. You must let it all out. And I realized that in my body, I had this earth attachment. I had this earthly attachment that I was not letting go. 
I did not want to go to where we were going. And so after moments of fighting and struggling, I finally surrendered. The moment I surrendered, we were transformed through that wall. And below us, with clouds around it, was a stadium structure that was coming through the clouds. And it was glowing, brighter than the sun. And I was like, I could not see right. I had to shield my eyes because of the brightness. And we started descending like a car going over a hill. It was like that tickly feeling in my stomach. Uh And I remember thinking to myself, like, we are dropping fast. Moments later, we land in the throne room. I had the understanding it was the throne room. And the first thing I see... Are this is this tile at my feet? I'm stepping on it, and it was clear epoxy with like this golden jeweled rose and like these other flowers that were hanging in this like clear tile. And this artist had spent who knows how many hours designing this masterpiece, and there was countless of these tiles. That was the floor of the throne room, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. I looked to my right, and there was thousands of angels, all emotionless. There was no emotion on their face. They were just standing like Marines in dress blues. They were, there was, they were out of tension. I looked to my left into my frustration and my religious spirit and my fear mentality. I see God sitting on a throne, doing nothing, sipping out of a massive coffee mug. What? Yes. And That's awesome. I, I was it. so upset. What are you I'm doing, my, God? Yeah. Oh yeah. In my mind, I raged. In my heart, I raged. How? dare you babies oh, are dying God. it was white by the way it was crazy but it i in my mind i'm thinking how dare you sit on your butt while earth is burning how dare you be here in this glory while the earth needs you and it shows you the amount of pride i had in my heart and it's it's terrifying that I, someone could get to that point in life where they can look at the creator and say how dare you that's what the devil did that's what the Pharisees did to Jesus. And so now I'm in the throne room. Moments later, the surround sound voice comes. It's deep. It just like comes out of every single direction. Let judgment begin. And I'm terrified. But even though I'm terrified, I'm starting to become attached to this heavenly atmosphere because it's peace. There's not this cheese grater uh, feeling on my nerves anymore like I felt on earth. Mm-hmm. And so... Judgment begins and my life pops up in these three huge holograms. They're about 12 foot tall and my life started playing for everyone to see. When I was born in 1995 in Lake Dallas, Texas, I saw myself clearly as a little baby. I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I clearly saw myself as a little baby. My parents were holding me in this loving atmosphere. I just was born out of, I was born in a home birth. But then I started seeing all these bad things happen the whippings as a young child, the dark moments of us moving from state to state to state to church to church to church, all the fights that happened in the congregations we went to and the, the arguing and the religious spirit that was oppressing. I saw the night tears, the mountains of shame of wetting my bed for, for 20 plus years. I watched my whole life and was very shameful. I did some very shameful things. I was angry as a teenager. And I remember thinking to myself like, that's my life. Mm. This is hopeless. And then we moved to Minnesota where this colony was. And I saw myself get into the rhythm of being even more religious. I saw myself where I would write the music and then I would get attacked for it. I saw the discouragement piling up. I saw the accident happen on the hockey hockey rink. And I remember thinking to myself like, this is happening. This is all legit. Then I saw myself take the nap, lay on my, my belly, and I heard my neck snap again. And then everything closed up. That was the end of my life. And I remember thinking like, that was awful. Mm. 
The next thing I hear is a surround sound voice. Is his name in the book of life? And I'm thinking to myself, ah, like I forgot about the book of life because in Revelations it says, if your name is not found in the book of life, you will be cast out. And that is not a good thing because at this point I'm getting even more attached to God's presence because mm. it is, it is pure bliss. Mm. But yet this religious spirit in me is having this war, this fear mentality, this fear mindset is like, I'm still like, I'm the dirtiest thing there. Like I feel like a pile of dung compared to mm. everything that's happening around me. Yeah. This angel next to me is holding this huge book and it's illuminating and he's reading through all these names and it sounds, it feels like hours pass. At this point, time felt like three, three-ish days had passed. That's how long everything felt. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this electrifying sound comes out of everywhere. And I heard the name Jojo. And God leaps off his stone. He's now facing me. He says, Jojo, I'm here to show you who I truly am. You thought I was this way, but I'm here to show you who I truly am. He said, this is how I see you. And he plays my life over from the very beginning. These huge screens pop up again. And all of heaven starts rejoicing. And I see my life from when I was born again. And he showed me when I was giving my sibling a glass of water. He showed me when I was helping our neighbors harvest their fields and their fruit trees. He showed me when I shared the gospel in love to someone else. He showed me all these moments when he saved my life from premature mm -hmm. death. He showed me how his hand was laid upon me. And he, he mm -hmm. showed me how he felt every single bit of pain and every ounce mm -hmm. of depression. He showed me how he walked with me all mm -hmm. those years. And I started weeping. I started like, how are you doing this? Who are you? This is not how I, this is not how I originally saw you as. Mm -hmm. How can you be so loving? How can you be so forgiving? I've hated you. I've hurt you. And he showed me where, oh man, it just was insane. I'm getting shot with this virtual hug and God is just blasting me with his love. And I started realizing that God was everywhere and that he's been there and he's felt every single abortion every baby has gone through. He's felt the pain of the mothers. He's felt the, the pain of a father that can't pay the rent. He feels that terror. He, and that's what, basically, that was the omnipresence that God is. He feels your pain just as much as he's everywhere. He can relate to you because he feels it. And I was like, so you were there when I would wake up in the morning after I had wet my bed for the hundredth, felt like the hundred thousandth time when I was 20 years old. Like you were there when that mountain of shame came to attack me. He said, yes, I've borne it all with you. And I'm, as I'm crying, these huge droplets are hitting the floor and God was catching them. And I'm like, how are you catching these tears? I'm looking up and his face was brighter than the sun. I could, I, his face never came into focus. It's just like Revelation says, his face was brighter than the sun. And I was like, how are you catching my tears? And I was instantly reminded that in Psalms, he says, he catches our tears and puts them in a bottle. Mm. And it was so crazy that while I was having this vision, this, this death experience that I had so many scriptures lining up. And as I'm in the kingdom of God, I look up and as the angels were celebrating, they were saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Praise be to the lamb that was slain forever and ever. And they were like, some were bowing down. Others were shooting rocket launchers. And it was a riot. And there was like this Coldplay, uh, Lauren Daigle, uh, Lecrae style music just booming over heaven. Like this, it was like this like yeah. dance music almost. And I was like, I was uncomfortable with it. And yeah. all of a sudden that uncomfortability of like, oh, the elders wouldn't approve of this. God took that 
away from me. He's like, you don't ever have to, you don't have to feel that anymore. You don't have to feel that fear. And I'm, as I'm looking down at myself, God's still hugging me at this point. I see bitterness fly off. I see pain fly off. I see hurt fly off. And it's like metal slag just leaving my body. I saw the old man being consumed and dissolved and the new man being created on the spot. And it was just, an, <laughs> I was being forgiven for the mountains of religious junk that I had piled up against God. And he just shattered it. Dude. I'm forgiven now. I'm accepted into his kingdom. He's telling me I'm his beloved son. And he says, Jojo, you know all those songs that you wrote growing up? Those were inspired directly from me. And I'm thinking to myself, you were there at 2 a.m. in the morning when I felt the urge to write a song. That was you prompting me. And I was just blown away. God showed me so many other things, but it was just fascinating to see like his intentionality with me every single step of the way. My life ended when I took that nap again and it, my neck snapped and it was like everything closed up, but now I'm in heaven. Now I understand that for all of eternity, God showed me that I'd be able to study his word and music. And I was fascinated at that point because I knew God was a just God. I knew God was a righteous God up to that point. But when he told me, I want you to study my word and music, that's when I knew he was a good God. Mm. He was a good father. Mm. And the previous fear mentality of just being terrified of what God was, was just shattered forever. I never once felt an ounce of fear from that moment on. Dude. And I started having this uncomfortably close relationship with him. And he started asking my angel a lot of questions about my teenage years when I went through puberty. And it was so uncomfortable hearing them talk, but yet everything was holy. Mm. And God's like, yep, that's how I made it. Oh, it's doing just fine. It's progressing just like I designed it. And this angel is telling him all these like funny stories about my childhood. And God just stops and listens. I'm thinking like, who is this? You don't have time for me. And yet he's stopping time for this moment to take interest in my ninth birthday when my parents were talking about like, wait, how many candles do we need to do? Like they had to question themselves because they had so many kids. Like that one little split moment that they were like asking my age again, God thought that was so hilarious. He's like, yeah, because they have so many kids. They can't get his age straight for just like that split moment. And obviously my parents got my age right for my birthday. But like that little moment God God saw. And so many other moments happen like that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, who is this clown? Yeah. He wasn't a clown. But yet he was so joyful, it made me uncomfortable because my whole life I was taught that God is, thou shalt not pass staff style, you know? And I'm like, this is not who (laughs) I've been told. And yet everything he said was pure. Everything he said was holy. And it made me want to worship him. It made me want to just just say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty forever. That's all I wanted to do. But at this moment, he started telling me about inventions. He started telling me about different events that were happening. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, all the good inventions on earth were inspired by God. Mm. And yet he gives the people on earth credit for them. We mm. thank uh, Thomas Edison for the, 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 the light bulb, but think about who inspired that. Yeah. You know, and we like... It's just, there's thousands, I could go on forever. George Washington Carver finding out, you know, saving the South from famine because of peanuts. Like God gave him that idea. Like there's so many, I could go on for hours talking about all the crazy things that have happened in our world that God personally inspired, but yet he allows these humans to receive the the glory for it because he loves making his kids famous. He Mm. loves glorifying his children. He loves building them up. He's not the God that tears down. And to wrap this up, 
I'm, I'm still in the kingdom of God. He opens, or still in the throne room. He opens the doors, and that music intensifies as we walk into the kingdom. There's this bird singing a part of the song as it's flying through the air. And at that moment, <laughs> I knew cool. everything in heaven beat to the, sorry, dr- the drums were beating to the, the beat of God's heart. Okay, I got a little word tumble there. Yeah, but yeah I got you. I got everything you. was in step with God's heart. Everything was in time with his heartbeat. There was not one molecule that was out of place. There was like this illuminating light that came out of everything. The, gl- the grass had this like sheen to it. And as we're walking up this hill, I could hear little children playing. These little kids that were taken from this earth prematurely, whether they were had an accident or if they died at birth or they were aborted, they were given a new life in the kingdom. And I heard them giggling. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, what? And I heard adults, grown voices, talking about plans for this massive city. And I could hear this huge structure, this huge land being developed in, over the hill. I could hear that. And at any moment, I could taste the music if I wanted to. I could like bite the, the, the sound and like taste it and taste it like... <laughs> It was like this like liquid Jolly Rancher yeah. favorite flavor, watermelon blast. It was just nuts. And for time's sake, I want to just let the listener know that God personally places his desires in our hearts to glorify him. Mm. And the enemy is purposely trying to confuse us and place fog in our lives so that we don't understand our purpose. Because once we understand our purpose, we're unstoppable. Mm. And moments later, some lessons were cued and I started lear- learning music theory. And I woke up right after the lessons began. I learned a number of things that I, I can explain. They take a while to explain, but it was just, I woke up. I'm now laying on my bed. I'm back on earth and my senses close up. I'm back in my, I'm back in the flesh. Take a huge gasp of breath and my alarm's going off. It's 29 minutes, but yet it felt like I was gone for like a week. Man, <laughs> and I'm tripping. I start weeping. I'm weeping because the glory of God was overwhelming me, and I realized I had, I had there was no darkness inside me anymore. That mm. that dark night of the soul was over. But yet I felt the curse of this earth back on me. But yet there was it. There was a hope within me. Come on. And so. When I woke up, I shared that story with the young people that night. People started repenting. Revival broke out. And three months later, I had to move on because unfortunately that message was not accepted. And I was told I truly was possessed by a demon. I said, oh no, I have a good father who loves me, who desires to have daily communion with me, who desires to have a personal relationship with me. And that's why I decided to move on. I left mm-hmm. with the blessing. And sorry, I left blessing them. I left without a blessing. So it was very painful. Um, sure. Went through a process just starting from zero. And that happened in 2017. May 10th was my debut out into the world for the first time as a wow. renewed man. Thankfully, there's been so many people in my life that have given to me so generously, given me a free place to stay till I get on my feet. And God has lined up so many amazing things to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Mm. To restore what previously, those 20 years of bedwetting, healed. For the last six years, never had an issue with that. Wow. And so for me to see God heal me of not only a gluten intolerance, but also a bedwetting issue, and heal me of my depression, was something I can sing his praises every single day. Come on. Come on. Because 
Most people don't know this, but I was like David in the field growing up. I had a herd of goats I took care of every single day. And I was out in the fields tending the flocks, taking care of the cattle, hidden away. But yet God was preparing this young man to bring, even if it's one soul to the kingdom, I've done what I needed to do, but I am out to win with, with you, Jeff, and the whole ministry and with multiple other ministries to bring a message of hope. As Ben Corson of Hope Generation says there in Oregon, he said, we're hope dealers and we're bringing the gospel of Jesus to this generation because we're not meant to live hopeless lives. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. And if you're feeling hopeless, just know that God is there just like the oxygen. And all you got to do is cry out and he will answer you. Just got to keep your eyes open. Dude, yeah. dude, bro, <laughs> dude, that was crazy. Like, so you woke up and all of a sudden you weren't like, no, no snap neck, no nothing. You were no, just like, nothing was wrong with my neck. Yeah. And I had only been gone for 29 minutes. And that's what really tripped me out because it was like reading a book with, with it closed. I saw time from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I realized at that moment that this earth is like a flash. And heaven is like the main course. Yeah. We are like an appetizer. This is not even an appetizer. This is like holding the fork. (laughs) (laughs) Man, dude. Yes. Well, okay. So one thing that I wanted to say, and I've never shared this. I don't think I've shared this. I've shared it privately with people, but I'll share just like a portion of it. But I actually, the Lord took me up to heaven in December. And like, and I didn't realize I was up there at first. I'd lay down for a nap. And I never actually went to sleep. I just lay down for a nap. And the second my head hit the pillow, all of a sudden I was like in this throne room. And it was like, not a throne room. It was like a giant hall. And at first I'm looking around and it's huge. It's massive. And there's like all this golden, soft golden light coming in from both sides um, of this massive hall. Like I don't even know how big it was. It was huge. And I saw these little, these people walking in pairs and everything. And then I look over and I see Jesus float. Down. He knows I love Superman. He floated awesome. down like Superman to me. And I was like, that's Jesus. And then, so he's like, I don't know. He was like, I don't, maybe 50 feet away from me. And then all of a sudden I look down at the ground and God knows I love details. I'm a de- like, I love little tiny details on things. And it's all of a sudden I look down and I, I see the floor and it was almost like Jesus knew that would be my reaction to seeing the floor. Cause it was like this beautiful gold. But then I look closer and it was like, I don't even know what Damascus steel is. Some people might know, yeah, where it's like two different types of metal that are twisted and pounded together. So it's got this beautiful laced look. And I realized it was two different types of gold. And I look closer and it was moving. And by that time, my face is like this on the ground. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, And I could still feel the texture of the floor and everything. And then I realized it looked like ice. Like if you stand on like deep ice so you can see depth in it. So it was gold, but it was deep. And then I was looking closer and all of a sudden I saw these light, like this gold, these gold lights and almost like, like glitter, but it was like more profound than that. And then I looked closer and it was like all these dancing lights uh, underneath the, in the gold. And then I looked up and I realized everything I said, it. I yelled it out loud. I was like, everything is alive. And then I woke up or I didn't wake up. I was all of a sudden, I was like, you know, I'm not even a a minute had passed, you know? And, and so it was like that sort of thing too. It's like, 
that revelation of everything is alive in heaven. And so a friend of mine had actually spoken to me. She said, you're going to have an encounter in December. That's going to change, change you. And Let's that was go. the encounter. That was it. That's you awesome. Know? And so it was yeah. a couple of weeks later. So, and I hate to pop people's bubble. Like we're not going to be floating on clouds, sucking lollipops with little light rings around our head. Yeah. We're going to be like, if you're an engineer, you're going to be engineering massive, incredibly fun structures that mm-hmm. defy gravity. You're, if you love to be a doctor, you're going to be stepping into an incredible role. There's nothing to heal in heaven, so I'm really sorry. But God's going to use that passion for an incredible purpose. But if you love to build, you're going to be building. If you love to take care of things, there's going to be animals to take care of in heaven. And I didn't see any animals except for that one bird, but I know there was animals in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. as a, I love music that God just said, you're going to know my word yeah. and you're going to, you're going to do music for eternity. And I was like mind blown because in yeah. heaven, there's an indefinite composing range. There's mm. subharmonic levels and upper harmonic levels that our human ear cannot hear on earth. But in the angelic realm, there is an indefinite tones, which you can compose with, therefore inciting new emotions that we've never felt. Come on. Man. Oh, and it's insane. And there was no sun. Everything was lit by God. Dude, dude that's what i was just blown away i'm like yeah. how is this being powered oh man <laughs> it's so cool i just i can't even i mean how, how do you even like do life like because for for instance for me that encounter that i had which was you know shorter than yours but it, i just i couldn't even talk about it for a couple of days i was just like so absorbed by that experience my wife didn't find out until like a week later two weeks yeah. later i was like Honey, I need to tell you something. <laughs> I told her, she's like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, I couldn't say it. I was just like. There's no so, words. Yeah. I just, I had such a hard time vocalizing it. Um, so, I mean, for you, obviously you started telling people right away. Um, only once. Oh, only so, once. Yeah. I told the young people and then I got so much heat for it. I just shut up. Mm. After I told my, um, my parents about it, I was pretty much like told like this is of the devil and Mm -hmm. so after initially saying something about it not many people heard about it maybe 12 13 people heard about it and because our community is very small there's like 180 people or so and so for about four four years i've been i just kept it hidden Mm. and i have had the privilege of sharing it um there was one individual i shared it at like the three-year mark and he gave his life to jesus and I, i my eyes were open i'm like wait a minute why is the enemy hold keeping me from sharing this? And I realized that it was not just the enemy, but God was preparing me for something a lot greater mm. because like I had to be refined yeah. and going from, you know, just off the walls, loose cannon to being able to partner with the body of Christ to say, okay, let's bring people into the kingdom with the mm. message of hope. It's so cool. And so, yeah, that's, that's why it. I love partnering with you guys. Cause this yeah. is going to bring a shot of hope. Into a, it's going to bring sustainability into someone's life to know that God does want to have that personal relationship with them. Oh, dude, I feel, uh, yeah. I, I just feel like, okay, so there are some people who have never, they've, they cannot get over that whole aspect of God. I'm disappointing God, even though they've done all of this stuff, they've checked everything off the, 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 you know, checked every box and, and, uh, you know, they dotted every I crossed every T and yet they still don't feel like they measure up. Like they still need to do more uh, for God in order to win his approval. What's your message to people like that? Because those people are watching right now. Yeah, this is going to be really raw. 
So for those of us, I've had addictions in the past and to realize that God doesn't run away from me when I'm in my sin. Mm-hmm. And I, he actually calls me on to a deeper relationship with him. And so that's actually allowed me to walk in righteousness, understanding that God, this is a holy temple mm-hmm. to know that God is living within me. And so like if anybody out there struggling with addiction, mm-hmm. just understand that God has his arm around you and he doesn't want the enemy to have his grip in your life. Just understand that as much as God is fighting for you, the enemy is trying to get your soul too. Mm-hmm. You just have to say, Lord, I surrender to you. It's, it's, it's a daily choice. And pretty soon it, it gets easier and easier to say yes to God. The fight is still there. But you need to be able to plug in to your local group or local community of like-minded believers and to just really seek after the love of God. Because know this, that with, for like, I want to speak to like really um, substance abuse right now. If anybody's mm-hmm. struggling with substance abuse, understand that that addiction is of the enemy. And God doesn't look at you just as lesser value because you're struggling with that. Just know this, that every time you feel shame, God is bearing that with you. And he wants to carry you through it so you never have to feel that shame again. And it's tough to explain, but just understand that God wants to heal you of that. All you got to do is cry out Mm -hmm. and soak in the word. Like we have the Bible. We still have access to the Bible today. Just to marinate in it. I did it for mileage. I was a student of the word my whole life, but I never truly understood the heart of God. I remember on one of my first dates with my wife, I went and bought a, the Passion Translation. And I still read the New King James regularly as well. But like I read the Passion. It was in, it's in our mother tongue, the modern English language. And I started weeping because I saw a new part of the heart of God that I'd never seen before. Mm. And so therefore, like understand this, that God wants to, have that relationship with you that you understand. Mm, that's good. He speaks our language, you know? Yeah. He and doesn't want to be confusing. Ways, yeah. And there's certain ways that we understand things. There's certain ways that we relate things. And, and that was a big, uh, big aha moment for me um, in my early twenties was realizing that God speaks my language, that he's, oh, he yeah. would often reference things that I, I like, or I watch. And he would, he would actually like reference things like that. And I was like, no, that's not God. That's not God. No, God wouldn't do that. You know, <laughs> there's like that religious spirit that kicks in all of a sudden. I realized like, whoa, like, and I just felt laughter, you know, from him, you know? And um, so, but man, like that, that story of you, you know, being very religious, being very like dogmatic about, you know, your approach, very rigid, and then going and, and, and meeting the father, and and seeing what he's really like is going to bring so much breakthrough to so many people who maybe, you know, they were exactly the same way, mm, yeah, you know, I'm here for the one. So if you're, yeah. if you're listening, like I'm here for you, this is yeah. why I live right now. Yeah, man, man. Yeah, I had a, I had a word. Um, this is the word for the young people. So when I moved, I moved from California, I moved from Oklahoma to California in early to our mid 2018. I, I grew I met up with a group of people that were just radical for Jesus. And we skateboarded, ate gushers, you know, <laughs> drank spindrift, sparkling water, and just had a great time in California. God has a community of people out there for you. Mm-hmm. Start seeking and start searching. Like type in local Christian groups near me that are cool and God will <laughs> open up doors, you know, and now you know me and now you know Jeff. Like if you're yep. a new listener for Jeff's channel, like or with Elijah Fire, like this is so awesome that mm-hmm. you're in this setup 
for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. Like we live such short lives. If people could only understand how fast life passes us by, mm-hmm. they would get on with their lives and go, wow, God, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, dude, I kind of want to just let this, there's uh, so many of the questions I have. Oh, the one that we'll touch on really quick though, because I it. said I would do it is, is wh- why did your parents get into it, into that community? Do you think that style of uh, that kind of rigid community? Why do you think that happened? Have you been able to talk to them about that? Yeah. So it's a really good question. And mm-hmm. from my understanding as a young person, the reason they joined these, uh, this, these plane circles, the Mennonite group we originally joined when I was five years old was because they did not like the public school system. They were really done with the world, the worldly system and the, the chocolate Christianity. And so my parents are truth seekers. So they wanted mm-hmm. something real. They wanted something they could apply to their life. And the, the, the Mennonites have this down. They have community down like you would never believe. Mm-hmm. They have such a rich community lifestyle that the world needs to, the Christians in the outside world need to adopt their way of sharing with each other, of having each other's back, of care, taking care of the sick, taking care of the elderly and supporting each other financially when those tough times hit. Mm-hmm. But the religious spirit has such a deep hold that it keeps the, it sort of keeps them in this, like this rat race of just like fear. And so my parents didn't know, know they were going to be signing up for this when they joined. They just wanted to have a stable home. They sure. came, they come from, uh, you know, broken families. And so my parents out of the goodness of their heart, joined and I love my parents. Like I really just, if my mom and and mom and dad, if you're listening to this right now, I just want to bless you. Like Jesus Mm -hmm. loves you and the Holy spirit desires to lead you onto all paths of righteousness. And so my parents are still traveling and, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everybody can agree that you, and I just want to commend you. I think it shows a mark of true maturity to be able to look at that stuff that happened and I think you've done a great job of honoring your parents uh, just in how you've conveyed this story. Because I've heard plenty of people tell stories, not necessarily on this show, but just in general, you know, where they tell a story of how the Lord brought them in and, and they're maybe not as honoring to their parents. And I just want to commend you for your, your maturity in handling that. I think everybody watching can, can agree. So Thank you. Yeah. yeah. They have their story to tell. I hope mm-hmm. that my mother can go out and become a minister and my father can fulfill his dream of being a missionary in Mexico with my, with, with my mom. Mm. And so like they have dreams of their own. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I just pray yeah. a blessing on them. So Amen. like for young people, remember this, your parents might feel super old fashioned, but without your parents, you would not be here. So right there we go. Right. Amen. <laughs> the, the hard facts is, is our parents aren't going to be around a lot much longer. Like yeah. they end up, you know, going on to be with the Lord. And it's so tough to see like an older generation lose their parents and then realize that, Oh, I'm only 20 years behind. I'm, this is coming very quickly for me. Yeah. So it's so much better to err on the side of forgiveness. Even though I, I had years of abuse, I still will always choose forgiveness. Mm. And Amen. God has healed me and mm-hmm. I want that healing for you. So if you're listening right now, like God desires that you don't live in bitterness because bitterness mm-hmm. is going to rot your soul. Come on. And that's right. not a life you want to live. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I was just talking with that uh, to a friend. I, I, uh, the other day I'm like, I understand why somebody lit goes to the grave with bitterness, but yeah. it is so much better to push through that. It's like, 
fight against your flesh and forgive and release and let go. It is so much better to do that instead of holding on to those wounds. This person hurt me. It's something I shared on the show just really quick a, a while ago, but there was somebody who I felt it hurt me really, really bad. And I was like, I was sitting there with God and I was saying, oh, if they could just say, I'm sorry, I could move on. And I just felt like this yeah. God's presence fill the room that I was in. And he mm. said, Jeff, you need to forgive that person as if they've already said, I'm sorry, because they're too blind to see that they hurt you and you need to move on. You need yeah. to let this go. And that hurt. I was like, how wow. dare you, God? <laughs> you know, because it's like part of me, my flesh wanted to keep it. My flesh wanted to keep it. At that point, unforgiveness, bitterness, you're holding yourself prisoner. That's the person oh, who suffers. Absolutely. So um, let that be a message to somebody who's, you know, who's hurt. Like yeah. it is it is better to forgive and, and move on and choose love over bitterness any day, mm. even if it hurts, like that process hurts. Yeah. So, yeah. So Jojo, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to pray for people. However you feel led, just pray for the people. Wow. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for bringing these hearers in today. And I just pray that you, the listener, as you're hearing the sound of my voice, you're going to be, um, there's going to be healing that's happening in your heart right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for revealing yourself in really fun, unique ways. You are a personal God, and you love to have a good time with us. There is so much pain. There is so much hurt in this life. Thank you for showing me how much you love me. And Father, I just ask that the listeners and the people that would watch this would understand how much you passionately desire to have a close, fun, best friend type of relationship with every single one of the humans here on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for blessing the hearers. May they go throughout their day with power that they, that as they understand that as they have life and breath in their lungs and blood flowing through their veins, life is not over yet. Mm -hmm. That they have a, an incredible opportunity right now to say yes to you, Jesus. Yes to relationship with you. Yes to saying yes to your plan and no to the enemy. No more. I just pray a hedge of protection over you, the listener right now, that the enemy cannot come in and cause a fog of depression to happen in your life anymore. And for you, the listener, I, I'm talking to you right now, that you would dive into the Word of God as with a hungry spirit, that it's going to be like your favorite meal, that you're going to go in and you're going to marinate in it, you're going to soak in it, and before you know it, it's going to start popping up in your mind when you run into a hard time that there will be joy in the morning for those of you listeners that have lost a loved one recently to know that God is a good judge and he desires that each one of us know him personally and that for you, that he feels your pain and he sees those tears that fall in the middle of the night when you feel so alone to understand that God wraps his mighty arms around you. Do not be discouraged. We live a short life and we will be able to live in incredible glory, not only on this earth, but also for eternity. I pray that over you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I just feel like there's somebody listening, listening to the sound of my voice. The Lord says that you are worthy. Amen. That you are good enough. All right. So just take that, receive it, take some time with the Lord, but you are, you are worthy and you are good enough. So... 
Um, Jojo, my dude, this was great. <laughs> this was Thank awesome. Um, how can people follow you? I know you're on social media. What are some places that you're on? Yeah, super simple. Just go to xmenno.com. So xmenno.com. Got all my socials on there. Um, feel free to like just guys let's bless the socks off of uh jeff in this ministry let's i don't i just want to like flip the script on you like let's yeah. let's spread the word about this ministry and really go out and encourage the young people in this life too we're let's we are in the joshua generation like mm. the promises of god are coming true in today on, in today's right. age we are seeing the promises of god come true so know this that like i'm here as a, i will pass away one day jojo is going to be buried one day mm -hmm. or you know, sprinkled over the ocean, whatever, which way it happens. And I want you to understand that this platform, xmeno.com, is here to spread stories of hope and redemption. So this summer, throughout this next year, you'll see a lot of fun stories popping up of people that have made it through hell with buckets of water and not a hair singed on their body. Mm -hmm. And so God is a good, a good father. And mm -hmm. what yeah. you think is who you become. Mm -hmm. So think heavenly thoughts. And to uh, be able to really just, yeah, just know this, that you are not here to live a hopeless life. And if you feel hopeless, there is hope. Amen. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah, all the links are below. Yep. So just all down scroll. there. You know the drill, peeps. They're all there. Oh, you also have a book. What, you mentioned your book. What's your book? Yes. Coming out soon. I'm in the sixth revision so my perfectionist <laughs> attitude is just shining right now and it's so tough. I want to be really honest. It is so hard to publish a book, but I'm making it hard on myself. So here, um, is, stay tuned. There's a way to sign up. Just drop your email on, on the website. There's a quick little forum okay. and you will get updated. It's called 29 Minutes in Heaven Ooh. and it's written by yours truly. I did not do it alone. So many people have partnered with me and donated their time. Hundreds of hours have been poured into this book to make it a, a masterpiece for people to just understand the father's love. So mm. it'll be very affordable. It'll be under $15 and people will be able to get it as a gift for others and as a gift for themselves. Awesome. So. Very exciting, man. Well, Jojo Morris, thank you so much. I really appreciate <laughs> you being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. May the Lord bless this ministry. Mm, amen. We receive it. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.